Specialeffector.com. Oh, yeah. Boom. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well done. Well done. We have a conductor here behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Roy. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I think this was the first time that we got conducted on the Django. It's uh, it's downhill from here. (laughs) (laughs) Especially since you. you're still here and you didn't get uh, scared off uh, by the jingle so it's good so but first let's let's say who we have here john who could this be some gentleman some gentleman who is this gentleman this is this is actually roy from circular oh wow hi roy ah good evening gentlemen Welcome. Hello, Roy. <laughs> thank you for the second the second welcome of the evening. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as, as you say, good evening. So it, it seems we're in the same time zone almost because you're, mm-hmm. I think, tuning in from UK, right? Where about I'm, I'm tuning in from the wonderful flatlands of Norfolk, oh, um, wow. which is very similar to the wonderful flatlands of Holland. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, and I, I'm, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm adjacent to you, John. You know, I'm in the same sort of <laughs> similar, similar, yeah, we're, we're similar in the same landscape. universe. Same universe. Well, no, this, this, this part of the world was drained by the Dutch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dutch, Dutch engineers came over here, or before that, the Romans and various others. But yeah, they came over and drained the Fenlands, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're waiting for the sea to come back and uh, recover it again. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm gonna, okay. So, so we're not going to only have a, a, a talk about or learn something new about some innovations in uh, the space of, I would say, plastics a bit, right? But also have some history lesson, maybe. Wow, we're going to learn something. That's it. That's it. That's the most history I have. There we go. No, from here on in, it's just about plastics. That's it. You know, plastics, plastics, and more plastics. Right. <laughs> you already you you already brought it up. And um, I mean, yeah. since we are here in the uh, Plastic Climate Future podcast, so it has to do something with materials or plastics. And mm-hmm. um, that's why... I, it was a pleasure actually to to get to know you once uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I'm happy that you are here today to tell us a bit more about uh, your company, I would say, mm-hmm. but uh, as we always start first with the person, who is Roy? Who, is who are you? Yeah, uh, it's, a question Roy? it's a question I, I often ask myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay well look i'll give you the long story good and the short story now. yeah no, well, that's important that's important i'll give you the long story and the short story and you can edit whichever one works best for the time frame so okay. so the, the the long story is um i uh was born in the uk i grew up in zambia in africa um i went to school in what was rhodesia i went to university in cape town in south africa i did a degree in fine art i majored in sculpture I then went to work for South African television, and this was in the uh, pre-apartheid days. From there, I went to set up a television station in the desert in Boputetswana, which I suspect, gentlemen, you will remember, uh, because it was where Sun City was, and it was the time when the South African government was trying to persuade the rest of the world that there were these independent states. So we built a television station in the middle of the desert, which was an astonishing experience and one which I uh, will never live to regret because it was just the switchover from analog to digital. And being a 24-year-old, pretty fresh out of the university, I had the most amazing opportunity to work in that change of, uh, that, that, literally that technology shift. And not only that, there was a cultural shift because it was almost the end of days of apartheid. So we we were able to interview people who couldn't be interviewed in South Africa. So there was a it was a very different climate, and it was a time of change. Yeah. Along the way, I picked up a wife and uh, two small children, <laughs> and um, I and because that that said wife had grown up in Europe and told me what a wonderful place it was, uh, I decided we decided that we should 
bring the children to Europe and uh, we would go and live in France and they would become French children and everything would be <laughs> sort of mavieurs. You know, anyway, none of that worked out. So there you go. <laughs> About 30, 40, nearly years ago, I ended up in the UK where actually I was born, but um, and reluctantly ended up here. Uh, you know, a 25-year-old with a with a young family and a very long, well, for the, the time, an awful lot of experience. Because when you're building something from scratch where there aren't specialists, and let's face yeah, it, yeah. in the middle of the desert in Africa, there are not a lot of specialists, you get a lot of experience very quickly. Mm-hmm. And when I started going for job interviews, the people I was talking to were, let's say, in their, you know, middle years. And essentially, from an experience standpoint, it was their jobs I was after. So that was a non-starter. Um, at the time, the UK was trying to develop uh, its export. Strange, déjà vu. Here we are again, back again. You know, the UK <laughs> had not yet joined the single market, and they were trying to promote uh, enterprise. And so, I ended up uh, with a red beret, a banker from Zambia, and a guy from Canada. Who I think had only ever done salmon fishing, but I could be wrong. He might have also been a, a biophysicist. I don't know, but doing a post-grad MBA in export management, essentially mm-hmm. focused on that. Then I went to work for a, as a consequence, I went to work for a television product, equipment production company who were doing some of the very first touchscreen edit systems. Mm-hmm. And then I got involved. I was, I'd been involved with a digital war, multi-video war project, very early sort of a matrix project. And somebody I'd met there said, hey, I'm starting an advertising agency. Um, we need somebody to, you know, come on board, handle all these unruly creatives. And that was where I was for the next, yeah, 36 years, I think, 35, 36 years. Along the way, I had met a my one of my co-founders in this, uh, a wonderful woman. I won't go into her biography because it's even more, uh, um, I mean, if mine is slightly interesting, hers is astonishing. If I was going, if I would go so far as to say that she was actually the original crash test dummy on the world's first hovercraft, um, there you have. Uh, 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 she p- might have to cut that. <laughs> I'm not sure she wants everybody to know that. But anyway, she, she was crash test dummy on a hovercraft. <laughs> she was. Uh, she was. Um, at the same time as I was sort of making my way you know, with developing the the, the, the agency, the, the tech agency, she was actually on the other side. Um, she was uh, first and foremost, she started off selling radios on Tottenham Court Road, uh, which was fairly unusual in, in that day and age. And she subsequently moved into working on the development of the Amiga system. Uh, and then from the Amiga, she worked into uh, into uh, the Commodore series, the Commodore 64 and those very early 64. PCs. And she then ended up essentially managing the, as, uh, the, the, the product development in terms of bringing together the componentry, the software, essentially chunking for um, uh, for compact. So, so she was coming up on the industrial side, so managing outsourcing, managing software integration, those sorts of things through through that transition. As I was sort of coming along through the um, whatever, and as a consequence of the cooperative, um, we bumped into one another, and I invited on to the co-op, and we got you know, and we shared our histories and blah blah blah. Anyway. Up till that point, um, I was not particularly, I mean, apart from being as a boy, seeing how little waste there was around me, uh, because when you're in a place where there is very little resource, people use it. They use it extensively. And always being under-resourced, because as a colonial growing up in Africa, you always look to your home, inverted commas, colony, and looking to the distinction in material wealth and development between Europe in the 1960s and Southern Africa in the 1960s. Big jump, big, big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, that kind of... So so, so that was really my only... I'm just just very... um, I try to be as resource minimal as possible, but it's not a, it's not a thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a, uh, people on the other hand has, is very, is very, is very passionate about uh, climate change and, 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 you know, recycling and reuse and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And she set up one of the very first, uh, 
uh, I suppose what you call a pilot in this space called Eco, Eco Exchange, which was intended to be what it says on the tin, a, an exchange for eco products. Um, now, I don't know the full background or the history of that, but I, it wasn't a success. It was probably a bit early in the, in the mix. But anyway, as a consequence, she had done quite a lot of business development and still mm-hmm. does business development with, uh, with, with startups. I mean, that's, you know, just her, that's her thing. And, um, Eco Exchange was one. And then she also has done some work, uh, with a, with a robotics company and that, that sort of thing. And along the way, she was approached by a, a Malaysian company who are producing a composite material, uh, using rice husk and, uh, a bio-based binder. And they are producing, you know, ex- extrusions. Well, they're working on an extrusion plant in Japan, and they're producing, uh, you know, pressed, uh, pressed um, dishes and kitchen utensils and whatever in, um, in in China. And they invited her to come in and, uh, you know, work on business development. And the bottom line is the, long, the short story of that was that she then called me in to, you know, work on the marketing. And very quickly we came to the conclusion that really there wasn't a lot we could do to advance the company. It was not that the product was bad or that they were doing anything wrong. It was simply that our our conclusion was, frankly, the infrastructure doesn't exist. So anything a company working in the space does has to be done by themselves or with very little support. They can't just plug into a network. They can't plug into a supply chain. And that is expensive and it's prohibitive. So we stepped back from that and then started scratching our heads and thought, okay, you know, this is obviously a problem that needs fixing. How can one fix this problem? Because if you look at the plastics industry, and John, you will know this, you guys have got 100 plus years of infrastructure, of optimization, of integration, all of these things, which makes it very easy for somebody to say, hey, I want to make a plastic X. Mm -hmm. Procurement can get onto it. Compliance can get onto it. You know, it's all there. But for alternative materials, it isn't. And our kind of, it's not a brainwave, it's just, frankly, it's just the logic we went, look, both of us appreciate how data can amplify and accelerate. Mm-hmm. So if we can bring the concept of data to alternative materials to get the same, to get over that threshold of there not being information, because ultimately data is information, around uh, alternative materials, that would be a very good starting point because it would make them much more accessible um, and much more easy to use. So that was good. Uh, and then, of course, we, we sort of we started building on that notion because it doesn't matter whether it's plastic, doesn't matter whether it's an alternative to plastic or whatever. In this day and age, there is an increasing demand for not just the performance metrics of a material or the, or the, uh, or the functional metrics of the material, but there's a whole other bunch of metadata which is necessary in order for a, a material to be usable, to be acceptably usable within, uh, you know, within environmental uh, scenario, within all, all of those aspects. Yeah. So again, it reverts back to data. And we thought this would be a brilliant opportunity to start with new materials, start them in the best possible way from scratch with all those metadata taken care of in some yeah. form or another. Uh, now, I mean, the applying or, or retrofitting that data or extracting that data from existing materials is an expensive exercise. So that would, we hope that will kind of give a little bit of leverage because we all know that there is that there is cost implications for working with a new material. But you know that might just give a little bit of an extra edge if you can address those issues out the box. And that's that was where the idea of circular came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was very much the approach is to homologate the data, to bring it all into a form that is easily distributable, uh, that is easily accessible, and that can really inform on the journey, the complete sort of circular journey mm-hmm. of an alternative material. Now, the model can apply to any material. I don't, I, I, this is not by any stretch of the imagination unique to alternatives, but there are some uh, characteristics of alternative materials, which are not common to existing plastics, yeah. metals, whatever. And and one one question here. And so, what can you name, like also for our audience, what is an alternative material in your view? So you mentioned already the rice husk biocomposite thing. Like, do you have some examples already? 
Well, I mean, you know, there is an entire, uh, I mean, there's an entire body of bioplastics already. Yeah. So biodegradable, bioplastics, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Those, those for, I mean, we use, we use alternative materials more as a marketing term. I mean, you know, if you look at our website, you'll see you know, alternatives to plastics. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now, it's not intended to be plastics alone. It really is a, it is hopefully an accessible and understandable, ah, right, they're talking about things which mm-hmm. which are contrary to the things we don't think are very good. It's that, you know, it's that, that's our, I suppose that's the, that's the marketing background kind of kicking. But in. it's, it's then basically trying to, you know, uh, speed up commercialization also speed up adoption Absolutely. of, of these exactly. new technologies. That's exactly new it. New material yeah. technologies that provide an alternative. Exactly. What do, you, yeah. what do you think, John? Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just fascinating listening to this. Uh, I mean, and we get back to, to, to how you got to where you are. I mean, that's just so fascinating and cool, man. It's so cool. That's another But coming to, coming to some things on point here, uh, uh, some things that, that uh, are, 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 are making me think here. Um, you know, I, I, where I I am in my journey on this is I think that that when, when we look at like if we say what is the problem, I mean, well, w- you know, there are many problems. One problem is, you know, the you know the challenges we have with the climate, climate change, carbon footprint, sustainability, using resources better, all these, all these things. Uh, man, uh, no kidding. Hand on heart, hand on the heads of my children. Uh, alignment. We are aligned on that, Matt, me, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you. Then, then the question is, okay, how do we? And also with other with NGOs and so on. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so, so then, how do we go forward from here? And you know, it, just one thing that kind of triggered me a little bit, a pop, you know, a good trigger. But you know, I come back. You, know, you mentioned biopolymers, mm-hmm. and, and y- yes, they're there, and, and we love biopolymers, Matt, and we we do, and we we are putting. <laughs> We're putting our efforts in promoting these. So, yeah. but 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 just know, you know that that they represent about one percent uh, of of the capacity uh, of of, of pop plastics being produced each year. And, and and one reaction to that is saying, "Oh, that's terrible. Let's turn it up to 90. Uh, then you start talking about scalability and start talking about uh, all these things, and then you start talking about, well, we just shouldn't consume so much plastic. Well, all right, go change the world in ten minutes. Good luck, you know. <laughs> so, so it, these kind of come back to some things about plastic climate future, which are, you know, our pillars, which you know, science based and viability. And viability means uh, a lot of things, including, you know, um, yeah, uh, solutions that that are scalable to solve the the grandiose problems that we say we want to solve mm-hmm. you know and, and so so just a few things just observations i mean like mm-hmm. i said full alignment you know uh, uh on on where we want to go uh, uh but but just want to be clear-eyed and in, in, in thinking about you know it, well just another quick segue <laughs> another one of our pillars <laughs> is, is 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 green you know beyond greenwashing and and this is not a defensive statement. I give you as, as much as I can examine myself. This is not a defensive statement, but it is uh, more of myself. I've been on both sides, and that is sometimes we greenwash even with the best intentions. Oh, yeah. You know, we think that that we're making a big step forward by, you know, this or that. And so, so I just wanted to put that out there uh, that I, I totally. And a lot of this we can delete. <laughs> but, no, 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 no. I think it's very, very important because. It, you, you know, talking about alignment, you know, I, I always say, and I, you know, and frankly, uh, my, my colleague Pip would say this with greater force. She, she's a person who can strip a Ferrari engine. And I don't mean that metaphorically. She knows how to take apart a Ferrari engine. Both of us mm-hmm. come from a very nuts and bolts. As I said at the top, I come from learning to be a bronze caster. So the materiality and uh, the materiality of materials and the challenges of working of with materials are something that I think for different reasons, we are both very, very conscious of. The other thing is both of us come from a commercial, a hundred percent, you know, between us 80 plus years of commercial background. Yeah. So yeah. everything you've just said absolutely resonates. And this is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. And much though uh, I understand and applaud activism, it's not something that we as circular, we will support, 
but it's not something we're engaging in. We really are. And one of the reasons we defaulted, probably the reason we defaulted to data is because we see data as nuts and bolts. It's an enabling mm-hmm. tool. Now, to things like, uh, you know, to the whole question of, of you know, bio-based plastics, absolutely. You know, we know the metrics. We look at the metrics. Um, and again, that is part of the goal and the challenge is to say, right, how do we scale um, alternatives even to those mm-hmm. to the extent? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, but but we're, we're, we're starting a working relationship with a Japanese university. They are working on uh, using AI to, uh, to test and reveal um, polymers based on sugar beet, so sugar, mm-hmm. uh, sugar beet sugars. And I was on a conversation with them X weeks ago, and it was the first meeting. And the head of the project just casually said, well, part of the reason they got in touch with us was because we were working on a database. So they were keen to know. And they said, oh, we're working on a database. And I thought, oh, great. You know, you guys, we've got about, I don't know, 200, maybe 200 companies in total. Um, and, you know, of that, maybe, I don't know, there, there may be 200 and 10 various polymers uh, and, and forms of alternative material. Now we're thinking, that's pretty good going. <laughs> and the guy said, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're going to be reviewing 20,000 polymers. <laughs> and I went, and, he, you know, he's a Japanese, Japanese, English. I thought, did I hear him right? Like 20,000 polymers. And he went, yeah, 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 20,000 polymers. <laughs> okay. So I kind of held this in the back of my head. And then I was talking to another one of our advisors on last Friday. And I said, uh, you know, Parvis, I heard this in this conversation. And, you know, Kenji said, you know, 20,000 20, polymers. I said, is that? So he said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, no, you just move an enzyme around. and you know, <laughs> It's a long chain. You just, short, yeah, no problem. So, so it's, uh, yeah, but your point john yeah i mean we live in a world which has so many other vectors um and it's not straightforward so again coming full circle why are we embarking on the journey we are it's because we think data is a is an easily accessible tool um Mm. it's something Mm. that can be used in many different places and Mm. if it's not necessarily used just with materials but perhaps with design Mm. or with uh, providing metrics for uh i don't know investment and so on and so forth. You know, having numbers, real numbers matters. Yeah, and, and this is, I think, uh, uh, one of the key points because you just mentioned uh, greenwashing. Um, and I think uh, we need also this data in order to to be on the point when we address the greenwashing as well. So I think it's it's not only, of course, it's 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 a tool also and for for commercialization for scaling and so on because you need to identify what is the best way and for this we need to have a model that works obviously with information and data but i think on the other hand it's also and i think we just mentioned it as well is consciousness right so we we need to 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 scale these solutions we need to also change a bit the mindset create consciousness and this comes to a third pillar <laughs> engagement yeah, yeah. right so and and this one we need to to do in a in a trustful dialogue and if uh, yeah i think uh, using science based uh, facts and and data is is one way to create this trust um and and that brings me actually to to one of your themes on the website um it says integrating people resources and systems um does this like how how important or, or how how big do you see the role of mindsets and uh, mindset changing the mindset of of not only industry but also consumers because in the end it's is going towards a system change right so yeah I again and this this may be a maybe a slight segue back into my history mm-hmm. as an ad guy Go for it. <laughs> um, the my experience is when you when you try to when you try to uh, your consumer will only absorb so many benefits you know the whole the whole approach of the marketer was and i think still is really you can't convince people with facts 
So you have to engage them emotionally. And frankly, that doesn't make any difference whether you're talking to a business person, a you know, an industrialist, or you're talking to somebody buying a chocolate bar. It's it's basically the same thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to you know, to, to Matt, to your top of the top of the question, yeah, ultimately, I think we can all agree that at the root of what we're all trying to do in our own ways is a mind shift. Um, but I think focusing on the mind shift aspect is perhaps not. It's the most costly way of doing it. I think what we have to do is to focus on just the use case, making it easy for people to do things which may be slightly different from their everyday, but has a long tail consequence that is a good consequence. Uh, At the moment, we're shifting people's mindsets to things which they know, really, and the producers of some things mm -hmm. know don't have a good outcome at the end. So so I think there's, but yes, I mean, ultimately, it does require a mind shift. And I think Mm -hmm. back to the whole question of of cigarette smoking. Uh, I think there's a very good illustration there. Um, You know, I I remember in this country when the the whole conversation was going to be about, well, we're going to stop people smoking. And I mean, the Mm -hmm. backlash and the, this is, this is a cultural shift. And then there was no smoking in pubs. And I, the roars of, you know, the roars of anger, 18 months, not even 18 months, eight weeks, 10 weeks after the ban came in, like things had changed. And interesting, my eldest son has just come back from Japan and he was last there five years ago, something just before COVID. And Japan, I mean, if you've been there, everybody smokes or everywhere you go, everybody smokes. He was saying when I was talking to him the other day, he said the most amazing change is that even in Japan, it is now really difficult to smoke in public. Mm-hmm. And that was over no time. So so how did that happen? Did it happen through, you know, large public campaigns of, you know, change this, do that, do the next thing? No, I don't think it did. There was, there was, there's going to be a, there's going to be a shift in consciousness. There's going to be legislation. In yeah, I was going to say regulation. Was a regulation part. and legislation is part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I and mean, certainly in this sector, this is definitely something we're seeing playing into this. The And again, it speaks back to this question of data, because if you're going to have public policy, you really need some sound data to make that on. Yes, you can make it from uh, from potentially an emotional uh, impetus. That can be the starting point, but you have to have the data. And you've got to know whether it's working or not. That's the other thing. Um, uh, yeah. You've got to have good data to start and hopefully validate that at the end or when as you go. So. I think there are a lot of vectors, but ultimately, yes, it comes down to a mind shift, a social, uh, a change of social norms. Yeah. And talking about the data, um, so what kind of data are you acquiring? Okay. Where do you get that from? Like, well, uh, uh, <laughs> right. try, to, try to explain it for a drunk five-year-old. For a drunk five-year-old. I used that today, Matt. That was great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, the kind of data that we are that we are looking to, um, yeah, I'll leave out the acronyms. Um, we are looking to the data that allows you to find an alternative material, yeah, yeah. know how to use an alternative material, right? And yeah. ultimately buy an alternative yeah. material. So and then you can you can explode out from that because really you can get into everything from societal metadata to economic metadata to environmental metadata. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. of these things are part of that data package. That that really is <laughs> that's the visual model, I suppose, that we carry around in our heads is that you have at the core of it, you have this data, you have this material, and it has all these onions of data that are useful to different people um, in different places mm. uh, to do different things with. Mm. But that's basically it. No, at the core of Circular's mission, uh, or what is going to facilitate our mission is essentially just a big database. That's it. You know, that's now. The, where where the, do you get it from? Right. Well, <laughs> basically, we're getting it from the producers, but yeah. that is a step still ahead because we know from previous experience that is a big challenge. Right now, our biggest challenge is actually creating a taxonomy for alternative materials, because yeah. much to our surprise and subsequent horror, no such thing exists. Yeah. So, so we were, we, I was, and, and this came as something of a blinding revelation, I can assure you. And this is, this, you know, this just goes to show how little I know about you know, this thing really, or new. Yeah. I'm learning a bit more now, but back in the day, um, one of our advisors, is uh, Chris Holland, who's the head of uh, alternative materials at the 
due to mining and minerals here. And he's an expert on spiders, Spider-Man. She talked to Chris, great guy, really, really super guy. And I was on a webinar with him and I think five material engineers uh, during COVID. And I, you know, at the end of this amazing conversation about things like spiders and whatever else and all these extraordinary materials, I naively said, oh, that's fantastic, guys. So, you know, this is what we're doing. And Chris has sort of introduced us. And this is what we're doing. And now, so, so where do we get the taxonomy that we can start building our database on and accumulating the data? And because it was Zoom, everybody sort of went, they kind of looked up to the corners of their screens and then almost as a single body, they kind of turned to face their cameras and just went, there isn't one. <laughs> So I was like, oh, well, that's not a problem. We'll do it. And yeah, it is a problem. Um, <laughs> but maybe maybe we can explain at this point. So what do you need a taxonomy for? For Well, just, just simply, how do you find something? It's just a list of yeah. things, really. That's all a taxonomy is. So yeah. if you go to something like, say, MatWeb or you know one of the yeah, other yeah. established materials, you say, well, I'm looking for a metal or I'm looking for this or I'm yeah, looking for yeah, that. Yeah. So you need that structure. I think that's interesting because I mean, like people, people, or at least for for someone who is not coming from the space, like just talking about these different material solutions, which are now coming up, being you know partly polymer, partly biomaterial. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like a plant or not a plant? No, it's fifty percent, you know, fiber-filled polymer. So it's like fifty percent a plant, but then it's still plastic. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just yep. have one question that that would would then uh, um, follow up on this because this is I think very intriguing. Um, you you say it on the website like how do you define the post post plastic or post plastic world? Mm -hmm. um, mm, yeah. Like what what would be the main difference then uh, to current plastic materials? I mean, now I understand yeah. much more the, the, your approach because of course. It's alternative materials that sometimes are combinations, but is yeah. it then post-plastic or does it have to be post-plastic? Again, for us, you know, again, I can't take the marketer out of me. So I'm always looking for terms that cause questions. Why post-plastic? What is post-plastic? It's, you know, it's that you dangle something and people go, oh, that's interesting. What's it about? Post-plastic really is, you could read it as, oh, well, a world without plastic. But as John will be able to you know, verify, <laughs> that is that is not going to happen. That is not a thing. You know, we as a you know we we as a human organism cannot survive without this marvelous material. I mean, let's face it; it is an incredible material, and what people have done uh, is is with plastic. So for us, post-plastic basically means where you have appropriate materials for the use, and where you have a material that may have you know detrimental side mm -hmm. effects as we are starting to discover with you know fossil plastic we know where they are we know how to secure the environment from them we know how to use them i'll use the term responsibly um and that may well involve you know locating them again i think back to something like asbestos now you know when, when asbestos was first used it was used without no no thought whatsoever to its potential impact and as we all know subsequently um, asbestos has huge impacts but we didn't know where it is you know, we don't know it. So you go into a building and they want to pull the building down and suddenly, oh, half of it's full of asbestos. So the whole thing. I look, for example, now within the plastic context, you know, and I'm sure you, you're familiar with, uh, you know, projects in many places who are taking, uh, you know, plastic bottles, polycarbonates, whatever, shredding them, and then building them into a biobinder and using them for, let's say, building brick construction, building houses and things. Wonderful. Great. We know some. Yeah, yeah we know some. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I mean, I've... I've <laughs> yeah, we've we've got quite a few on the you know on the database, and again, we don't exclude that because that is. Yeah. We think, but what we would then go on to say is, but also use the technology to identify where that plastic is. So geolocate it, put it onto your civic map, so that in fifty years' time, when you pull that building down, if there is a more affordable recycling mm. technology or whatever it happens to be, you know where it is. You know how to best handle it. Um, I think. At the root of it at the moment, our entire way of life really is based on a fundamental cornerstone of fossil energy, fossil plastic, fossil whatever. And it's a totally imbalance. And I think that's not going to be sustainable even in itself. So, yeah, I mean, for us, post-plastic is exactly that. It's a place where 
it's appropriate use of materials, and that includes. So, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not where. It's not where there is one sort of hegemonic material. <laughs> it's like where there's not one hegemonic fuel supply, as in you know fossil fuel. So yeah, but as a marketer, it's like yeah, post plastic <laughs> sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, it's not confusing. <laughs> you know, can, can, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, just I'm just uh, <clears throat> to jump in here on, on a few things, uh, if I may. Uh, it, it, when when uh, you talk about alternative materials, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the, what is implied there is alternative means alternative slash better uh, in terms of whatever criteria uh, you you uh, you you, you uh, consider as, as as the most important. So, uh, I, I, and what I would would think would be in the database and, and maybe it's already like a prerequisite of even calling it an alternative material because it seems like your orientation is alternative always to plastic uh, versus maybe maybe sometimes plastic is the better alternative. Uh, have you thought about that? You know, and uh, why is it that plastic is, 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 is the default orientation of that's that's the death star that's an interesting one that's an interesting yeah, i mean but, but, no, and no, maybe no, the no. currency that you would want to use uh to to would be uh like life cycle assessments uh uh you know you know uh, methodologies that are out there that 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 claim to say okay we're going to make a comparison of this and that uh and you know sometimes glass is great sometimes plastic's better uh paper etc so so you know why? Why the orientation to is is that for marketing reasons or catching attention? And, and one thing I'd also say is 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 I'm with you on the point about you know okay why do we exist because it's dangling something out there? What I would caution there though is that that um, I, I live in a world where 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 you, you, indeed there you know uh, you have people that play with words just to have for fun and and, and uh, for example if I say the word to you. Tell me what comes to your mind if I say pyrolysis. Mm -hmm. Most people think fire. Mm -hmm. You know, guess what? The people that that use that are, are people that are incinerating plastic, that mm -hmm. are taking plastic and burning it, which is the worst thing you can do from a carbon footprint mm -hmm. perspective. But they do that rhetorically because uh, they want to displace a competitive threat, which are technologies that are not burning plastic that are a better solution in terms of carbon footprint but because of the powers that be of incineration so so i this is a, a touch point for me is like <laughs> I, I get the point about you know playing with words but but this is serious stuff i i think that's extremely important look very simply um because plastic has its own established industry um it's not something Demand. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, we would like to be in a position to say exactly as, as that is to say, look, if you use access to the circular database and the data we have around alternative materials, there's no point in us reinventing the wheel around plastic, but we should be able to offer you the data and both should be, you should be able to say, right, here's my challenge. What is the best material against the full, uh, against the full scope of what constitutes the phrase better? It's, you know, because at the moment we still predominantly live in the space because it's easy. What is better cost? And we don't qualify what that cost actually is. We're just starting to do that. So, so to your point, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to leave, you know, the plastic industry to do its, its thing. And I know the plastic industry per se is going to come under pressure and it's going to have to, uh, you know, it is going to have to justify itself in all sorts of ways. And that's, the problem for the plastic mm. industry and the better data that comes out of that exercise, the better for all of us. That's our approach. Mm. So also that's an even bigger task than the big one that we already have. But to give you an illustration of how we're trying to tackle this, the, at the core of our approach is look, sharing of data. So our, our construction material, alternative material data is going to come from another startup. Um, we're not going to secure that. So to, 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 to Matt's earlier question, it sort of answers that. If somebody is already doing something in the space, as in this case, 2050 materials are, they a subset of their materials, and they are focusing uh, at least their current iteration around uh, carbon, uh, managing carbon in. So they have a database of construction materials. A subset of that is alternative materials. We're going to, we will take that data. 
and we will add our data to that data. So that can that can uh, amplify the opportunity for their approach. We're not going to go out and duplicate that. And that's very much our approach. But yes, I mean, if I would, I would love to work with somebody who already has a plastics database. It says, right, these are the criteria that we're working mm. with. Now, can we mutually? Because it's to their benefit and our benefit. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I don't believe that people are sort of inherently evil in that regard. I don't think there are people who are like, you know, plastic all my life. You know, it's mm. it's like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of absurd. This is the thing. Yeah, <laughs> people want to do. In my experience, I ride a bicycle. And I've yeah. ridden bicycles around places, and my experience with people in the world is generally they're nice, they're nice, they're good things, they're good things to be around. <laughs> and and and, and it's so so that's the relationship I would like to see. I the, 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 this 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 I appreciate the 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 commercial pressures, and I was having a conversation with a very nice young French person earlier on today on exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the challenges of somebody in the startup space having to deal with. The challenges of funding, financing, it still lives in like, you know, I don't know, the late 19th century, it seems to me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to have a lot of vision, doesn't seem to, whatever. I don't know. That's a whole other discussion. But yeah. So, so yeah, to your point. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the words, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm prepared to take a hit on that one. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I still, back, I, still, I mean, sorry, sorry for riffing. No, there, no, 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 no. Look, it's it, that's exactly, look, okay, if I tell you, that's exactly how creatives go about stuff. You set something up and you get it knocked down. That's the best way. I, think, I love this guy. I think it's, I think it is. As I think I think it's a cool term, and but it's also it's not just we're playing with words. I don't know about you, but I have had numerous questions about what do we call this? What are we going to call this thing we're all trying to work towards? Mm-hmm. You know, we we you know if it's if it's wrapped up in the language of advocacy, it's this all or nothing thing. Broadly speaking, if you're if you're an advocate for I don't know cleaning up oceans or whatever it happens to be, great, love these guys, but it is it is almost by default, it has to be adversarial. And so we've been casting around, I mean, look, every time I write alternatives to plastic, hey, it's a bloody mouthful. Um, <laughs> you know, and you you know, you know, type that five times, you're going to get it wrong at least four of the five times. So I would really rather have something else. But alternative materials, mm. it conjures up, it, you know, it's I'm afraid to say it kind of, and the other thing is the alternative materials has a legacy of, you know, sort of people weaving hemp sandals, uh, you know, and shopping baskets and things. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an industry, a nascent industry. Um, but when I listen yeah. to both of you, you know, like, I, I, <laughs> give us um, some therapy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I call my brother. He says, okay, Chris, don't worry. I do it after each podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I think what what is what 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 resonates with me is I actually I mean listening to 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 the standpoints of of you uh, Roy and and John also I think it's about taking responsibility for sustainability or or for mm. for the environment and as you said in the beginning there is no one right uh way and as john you always says there is no silver bullet and i think we were pretty clear on the fact that until we get enough um crude oil being made from the dying trees um to you know supply the current plastic uh demand it's going to take many millions of years, right? <laughs> so we need to... <laughs> like and, it. And, yeah. yeah and, no and dinosaurs. Definitely, yeah, but we definitely, yeah. as John said, we definitely, and, and, and you also confirmed, like we definitely need also these kind of solutions um, because they are, they are also life-saving uh, yeah. in, in many well, situations. We, we, but we, we need to find and look into alternatives. And I think this is this is some something where... where um, also, or at least what I understand is where, where you create through your approach, you create also a bridge because you provide yeah. kind of data and you provide also a language mm-hmm. for both to, to, to connect like, you know, the, the industry mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. is, is has already yeah. the whole like infrastructure, technology expertise. And, mm-hmm. and if they are able to transfer it onto new materials, new materials. Solutions, yeah 
then better. Uh, this so much be better. good for for everyone, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, what, what what I would say here and put in uh, for me simply for me would be. Uh, uh, you know, it, what you're doing, if if what you're doing, which the answer is obviously yes, is is trying to create situations where on a you know daily basis, there are people uh, that are engaging with your with your offering uh, that are making decisions, which are decisions which are leading to uh, better solutions uh, in, in terms of material selection, whatever that here's my base case. Here's what I want to go to may yep. be. You you are you are trying to set up a, a database uh, uh, a, a system whatever it is that that makes that happen more frequently. Yeah. That's a great thing, man. Yeah. We, we that's a great thing. I mean, look, to, I'll give you an illustration, John. You you may or may not be familiar with Matt Webb, um, but you know it, it goes back to that point I made. I, we did you know we did a fairly intensive search to try and find something. Because again, as I say, we don't want to invent the wheel. We just want to join it all up. <laughs> mm. And so when I look at something like Matt Webb or Special Chem for Chemicals or whatever, you know, you you go down through, I don't know, 16, 20,000, something like that materials. Uh, and then you come to mm -hmm. literally one word, wood. You know, it's it's like I mean, <laughs> how are you gonna make a that. choice if you just come to, okay, maybe it's hardwood or softwood or maybe it's birch or willow, whatever, but you are not gonna build an engine on that. You know, you just gotta go, no, I'm not gonna make my BMW bumper out of wood. Forget it. You know, it's just not gonna happen. But you may make your BMW bumper out of a derivative of lignin, and I'm sure. That is, look, I mean, the great thing about this in my experience is since I've been on this journey, you know, very constant in a concentrated way for the last two, two and a bit years, is that every single person I talk to in this space, irrespective of where they come from, there is a willingness and an enthusiasm to do something, you know, to, to, mm. to make a change. And people mm. are very, very, very open. Mm. Now, okay, their, their shareholders may not be quite so open. <laughs> I don't know. They might be not quite so willing to put money into R and D, but uh, you know, it, I get a sense, and certainly for the generation that's coming up after me, and certainly for my grandkids, it's going to be a very, very different profile. But I mean, I'd be interested to comment to you because one of the stats that I trot out gayfully um, quite often is, and I think it's relatively accurate, is mm -hmm. is as you probably know, we collegiately, as I say, global we, we recover about 10 to 18% of our plastic material currently. I think Italy has curbside, I think the highest of anywhere, something like 70% of curbside plastic in Italy is re recovered and recycled. But, you know, we're in the UK, I think we hover around about 13%, something like that. So, okay. And we also know that, that reuse and reuse and reuse of, of plastic as it goes through its various processes, you know, the polymer chain gets shorter and shorter and you have to add virgin plastic to it to, you know, to extend its life and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But the statistic that I have is that even given, given our current growth rates and current uses, even if we were to recycle, recover and recycle a hundred percent of our current plastic output, we're going to have a shortfall of something like 80% of materials by 2040. Now, I mean, I know the Saudis are putting in a huge plastics plant and, you know, the investment in plastics continues. But, I mean, that's that to me is almost a, uh, a definition of we have to find alternatives or whether we like it or not, we are going to uh, consume, you know. Uh, it's so, so the quicker we get to that, and I think the trouble is with so much of this, it's 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 pitched as an an either or. It's not as a win-win. It's a little bit like venture people talking to founders, which always amuses me because both are supposed to be working in the interests of each other. And yet, if you want to see an adversarial relationship played out, look at venture and founders. We're just yeah. we're just trying to provide a toolkit, you know, and, and a language. I think. I mean, this is a it's a, yeah. a lot about communication, and I think yeah. this is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's super fascinating and, and absolutely also resonates with 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 our mission to you know also create a platform where where these innovations and and thought uh yeah thought leaders and and uh, thinkers so to speak have mm -hmm. um also a place to engage and and, and drive these new you know, ideas mm -hmm. 
I think we could talk probably for yeah. uh, another, another two or three hours. hours right? Oh well, you know we can we can turn we can turn it off, but I don't want to give you like three hours. No, you probably couldn't. I think I probably I've run no, out I've run out have, of my. We got to do a part two. But yeah, I was going to say I was going to say one thing that you know I think what you guys do, and I listen to I think I've listened to all your pods now. Don't underestimate. You guys are providing a platform for doers. And I think there's a big difference between talkers and doers. Yes, I do. I talk a lot. I talk an awful lot. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> but you know, as I say, as my as as my newfound uh, my newfound advisor to me this morning said, I've only just got a word in edgeways after you know 37 minutes, and I was like, <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, no. I know, but right. I think but but you guys do provide a platform for doers. You know, people to talk about what they're doing. And most of the pods that I've listened to have been people doing stuff. Mm. Um, so that is really important because you don't get that much of an opportunity. You know, it, no. it's, it's, uh, and that's probably why I always end up speaking at people rather than listening to them because I'm like, oh, an opportunity. <laughs> I want to tell the world, you know, we're going to do this and do this. No, and do I mean, yeah, we, we consider, we consider having you on Roy as, as also interviewing one of the, the doers. So just so you know, you're, you're in that category too, as far as we're do you want, concerned. Do you, want to, do, you want to, do you want to come and help work on the database? Uh, no, oh, <laughs> no, I can barely start up my computer, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, let me be, I'll be a talker. Okay. Oh, please so, do. I mean, I think what you're doing is great, but you need to get some other, I, I'm not a database guy. We have one more question. To you, here right, comes right, the, the most yeah. important one. Here of comes all. the so most important. important. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. <laughs> you cannot leave now. You can. Okay. You have to do this question actually. Right. Um, this is the mandatory. So, here it comes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we have. I told you already before that we have a plastic climate future playlist. Uh, you do. And um, we collect some inspiring music tips from our guests there. <laughs> okay. So, well, I I, I can't. We, we usually get good 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 uh, tips from from the. People. You're not going to get one. You're not going to get that from me. I'm oh, not. Yeah. I'm not. Wow. I know that. But I have to be honest. I I have rehearsed this question because <laughs> I think it, I think it's important. Um, yeah. <laughs> so my my first default was the Plastic Ono Band. Because it is plastic. Okay. And, and the other thing is, you know, Yoko Ono, although at the time people were like, what is going on here? This isn't the Beatles. Actually, when you talk to musicians, she had yeah. a significant impact and still does to oh, this wow. day. I mean, not, yeah. not quite up there with the Velvet Underground, but, you know, there is things. So, so there was that. But also I thought, you know, your song at the top is kind of Plastic Ono Band. So I didn't think we needed a reprise of that. You know, <laughs> same kind of thing. And then I remember from my not quite so youth, I then remember Plastic Bertrand, you know, his, his uh, uh, amazingly kind of engaging track, but it's not really anything to do with this. So ultimately, I'm, I'm a kind of a Zappa fanboy. So for me, uh, you know, Frank Zappa's Plastic People, oh, yeah. which wow. I think, which I think, <laughs> wow. kind of talks speaks a little bit to what we're talking about in a in a societal great. space. This is great. Well, that, that would be my one, and the YouTube bit is great. <laughs> so, so yeah.